Welcome back for episode two of Ramblings of a Mama Bear. I'm Claudia Magalhães-Steele, your host and resident mama bear of One Bear Cup. This podcast aims to inform the audiences through stories of parental experiences and knowledge from experts. After all, parenting is hard and we need all the help that we can get. It's the most sought after commodity and one of the rarest finds for parents. It's sleep. And after consistently eluding us, we will do anything to get some shut-eye. However, common practices for how we and our tiny humans sleep may vary depending on what culture or part of the world we're from. Among these variations is co-sleeping trends. So naturally, in today's episode, we discuss the benefits and downfalls of co-sleeping. According to research from 2015 and 2016, Statistics Canada reports that 33% of mothers frequently shared a bed with their infants, a number far lower than that of other countries and cultures. But there's more than just location and upbringing that makes up the decision. Today's guests are a perfect example of that. They all made different decisions when it came to sleep and had very different experiences. Our first guest is Candle Campbell, a mom of three who chose not to share a bed with her little ones, but she did have them in the same room for the first few months. Thank you so much, Kendall, for being with us today. So to start off with, um, I know that you're the mom of three uh, beautiful little girls. What did you decide to do when it came to sleep? With my first one, who is now nine, um, we had her in like the playpen beside the bed. Uh, I was breastfeeding. So like she would be up every couple of hours. So um, at the time, I think the major decision was to not have her in the bed with us because we had two cats and a dog and that like to jump up on the beds with us when we're sleeping. So we were like worried that they would like step on the baby and stuff like that. That was the, kind of the big factor for that one at about, I guess it was with her was about six weeks. Uh, she stopped feeding like so regular and I was only at maybe once a night or twice a night. And so we put her into her own room and then, and whenever she would wake up, like we would go into her room. I remember laying beside the crib a few times and stuff. I would, it would never be like, I would never just pull her into bed with me. And I guess I kind of got like to the point where this is kind of the way I want to do it was just that there had been a couple of nights that I had um, had to sleep in, like we were in a hotel or something like that. They weren't settling. So where I, I did have to sleep in the bed and I didn't get any sleep at all. I just found they're so wiggly and um, kept like moving and it wake me up and stuff like that. So I'm just going to keep putting her to bed and just like trying to get her back into her own bed, settle her and then put her back in her own bed as opposed to coming into our bed. And then um, we had our 20 months later, we had our second daughter and she stayed in our room a little bit longer. I think the big thing, we just kind of went with what we knew from the first time with her. I found again, it was like I was nursing her. So she would be getting up, you know, every like couple hours or whatever, more sometimes, less sometimes. And it took her longer to kind of get into a routine of like sleeping longer and not needing to be. I will admit that I nursed my babies to sleep basically the whole time. So for me, it worked. I know you're not supposed to, but 
Um, it always worked and we haven't had any major sleep issues. Like, I guess like it's not a, a super scientific process that we went through. It just kind of ended up being what worked for our kids and for us. So when you were um, going through this process, like, did you ever consider co-sleeping? Not really. We still have the same dog and we could have locked them out of the bedroom, but we already had a kid sleep uh, waking up every five minutes, you know, when they're babies and stuff. So I didn't need the dog whining outside the door. We kind of did the same thing with her, except she just never left our room. (laughs) She was in the kennel when we first got her down in the living room and she cried and she cried and she cried. So we moved her kennel up to the bedroom and then took the door off and then just replaced it with a bed on the floor. And now she jumps up into her bed. <laughs> so I guess in a way you had, uh, you had your, your lesson on co-sleeping with the dog and then you decided with the kids, huh? No, we're not doing this again. We're not doing this because now she's like, she's 11 years old and she's just like, she, as soon as we get out of the bed, she will jump right into your spot. Even if you're just going to the bathroom, she's like, oh, spot's open. So, um, yeah, we try to kind of stick with it. The girls' places are in their beds. And we do have periodic times where um, my middle daughter will sneak in when we're sleeping and curl up on the floor. I always generally hear them coming in. I find that that's around big changes, um, like start of the school year. Yeah, just like any kind of big, exciting time sometimes, or if we have something kind of get out of routine. The other two, they just get up early. Yeah, I guess we are kind of like we practiced on the dog and took it out on the kids. (laughs) (laughs) So are there, were there any preconceived notions or ideas that you had about co-sleeping due to things you heard from other parents before you had, like when you had your kids? Um, I think the things that kind of stuck in my mind were like, I had a friend who her son like co-slept with her till he was like 12. Like he would always end up in her bed and pre-kid me like, was like, no, like, I don't want to do that. But then you realize how tired you get and it worked for them. I was worried, I guess that, you know, they say it like bonds you. But then again, like, what if it, there is a separation issue, like where they're were scared or anxious to separate from you? The playpen worked well for us. We neither of us had to worry about rolling over on the baby or anything like that or getting, I know like some parents are, they'll roll over with a start and think, oh, I rolled over the baby. And, and we never really had that because we knew that she was in the playpen beside the bed or in their room. So, but like there's nights that we had to lay on the floor and just put a hand in between the bars and just touch one of them. Like it wasn't like all wine and roses. I'm not going to say that, but they just got used to, this is my bed. And we had a, we have a pretty like consistent protocol with our bedtime though. Like we've always had, we've always sung, sung a little song to them and, you know, book song and hugs and kisses and then that and that's kind of the way it's been since they stopped nursing like because when I had them and when it was just me putting them to bed it was I would just nurse them to sleep and when Barrett had to put them to bed with a bottle it would be a totally different experience for him 
like he's like no we like played I laid her down in the crib and I played with her for a bit and I'm like what <laughs> like, you feed that kid until it falls asleep <laughs> and, but that's how it worked for me that's what worked for me and for him when he had to do it it was different and still got the same results. Do you find that you, do you think your kids are more um, independent because you didn't co-sleep? I have one that's very independent. um, One that is very anxious and very nervous and like, so needs a lot of reassurance. Um, And then my youngest is a bit of a clown, but very, very stubborn so they're just they're such different people it's hard to like pinpoint one thing like I so I did the basically the exact same thing with all three of them and I have three different sleepers I've got one on night owl and the other two are early birds I've got one that will go to bed and and sleep fine but will sleepwalk And then I've got another one that she needs lots of reassurance that we'll check on her. Uh, She's the one that ends up at the end of the bed, like just more. So like same exact basic uh, timeframe of having them beside the bed with me and then going into their own room and three pretty different results. Like you think you have something figured out and then they change all the rules. Is there anything that if you had to go back and do over again, that you would do differently when it comes to sleep? I don't know. I don't like not early on. I don't think like, I think it worked for us. Like the, it saved me having to get out of bed like all the time, but it also stopped us from having to ever worry about rolling over the baby. But like, I've never been like, I I know a lot of people closely because attachment parenting and they, um, really like, you know, I have done their homework. I have not. So um, we kind of just went with what worked for us. I don't know. Like, I don't have any regrets about them early on. It kind of, as we've gotten older, uh, the kids have gotten older, we've played musical bedrooms a little bit and I am fully to blame for this. Um, I like to change furniture around when I get bored. And the last two years of the pandemic has not done any favors for that I get moving furniture around and change their rooms around and stuff like that and then we would change who was sleeping with who because we only have we have two bedrooms so two of the girls have to sleep together so for a while it was me and Marley for quite a while since Violet was here and then she was on her own and I find that some of that stuff that we've had some issues like after those things. So like, I'm really trying hard to leave the rooms just like how they are and let them be. I think other than that, and the only reason I can remember that is because it's like the most recent. It's not too many nights that we don't have some, we put them to bed and then a half an hour later, somebody's out for some reason. Usually it's a quick turnaround. Um, And I think like maybe that, is one of the things that like I'm happy that we did it the way we did was because like now they know okay you're up you come to find us and now let's go back to your bed you know there's not this big like fight um in the middle of the night to get for them to understand like that no you're not getting into our bed you're going back to your bed like I said I I think they know like this is my bed this is where I'm supposed to be so um their personal space right yeah, I don't know. And like now I find with my girls being nine and seven and 
full of opinions and stuff like that. They run to their bedrooms. They run to their beds. That's where they're going to go to be mad at us or, you know, just like that's, that's it. They're not running to my bed to do that. So as their safe space. Our second guest is Shailene Woodhouse, the mom of five who co-slept with her first, but after her experience, opted not to do it again. So thank you so much for being with us today, Shailene. Um, now you're a mom of five. Yes. And so you co-slept. Did you co-sleep with all of yours? My first one. Only my first one. <laughs> and how did that go? Um, it took me four years, just over four years to get him out of my bed. So then you wouldn't recommend it? Uh, no, um, it is definitely a lesson learned. Um, a lot of people that I know do it with their first and they go, no, never again. <laughs> what was it that made you decide to co-sleep with your first one? Uh, convenience. Um, and he was also, um, he was a very attached baby. So I would put him in his crib and we tried the kind of, you know, not cry it out, but you know, go in your crib, you're going to fuss a little bit. Um, and it was two, two and a half minutes and he would projectile vomit everywhere. So then it was just easier to have him in my bed and I was nursing at the time. So it was easier to just kind of roll over, feed him and I can stay kind of half asleep while I do that. That's terrible. And so were there any pros then to, uh, to the co-sleeping? I got sleep. <laughs> I got sleep. <laughs> Which is great because as a mom, you need sleep and we often don't get enough. And uh, were, what were the, like, obviously, aside from ha taking a long time to get him out of your bed, what were there any other negatives to co-sleeping? No, no. Um, I definitely felt like me and him had a bond like no other. Um, he was, was and still is a mama's boy and he's almost 13. But no, it was... I mean, there wasn't really, there wasn't any cons to it in my eyes. Um, it, it was just, it was difficult to get him out because he, he was scared to sleep on his own after. Aren't we all kind of hardwired to want to sleep with somebody? Right, right. To when have you're, that you're married or you have a partner. Yeah. And you're so used to sleeping with them. And then, you know, you go to a hotel away from them and it's hard to go to sleep because you don't, you know, you're so used to it. And, you know, how do you expect a baby that has been in your womb, listening to your heartbeat to just be okay, just being alone. And so with your other ones, you, you didn't co-sleep. Did you see a drastic difference? Yes. Uh, my, my second son, he, um, well, see, he was never really a cuddler. He didn't, he didn't seek comfort from other people. He just wanted his stuffed animal, his blanket, and he was good to go. But He's always been less affectionate than, than all, all of my kids. Um, the other ones, though, um, it, just, it just was the way it was. And they watched their older siblings go to their beds. So I think it was just never an issue. So would you recommend co-sleeping to a new parent who's having a hard time? For sure. I mean, I wouldn't say don't do it. Um, I would, um, if it helps you and the baby get some sleep, then absolutely, because then you're going to be happier. It's going to be easier to deal with the baby during the day because you guys are both rested. Um, I would just, you know, forewarn, it might be really difficult to get them out of your bed. So if you're prepared to deal with that, then by all means, do what works for your family. And so as a mom of, of five kids, um, what are your recommendations for parents when it comes to sleeping and babies? Do, do what, do what works. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, like just do what works for you. Uh, I mean, I lucked out and all, I mean, my oldest one was difficult to get out of my bed, but um, all four of my other kids, I mean, right from a young age, bedtime's bedtime, we do the routine and they stay in their beds. What works for one definitely doesn't work for another. I think that's an important thing that most parents on their first uh, first go round don't learn right away or don't know. And then later find out is that, yeah, what works for one child does not necessarily work for another. It really is a case by case basis. It is. No, and if there is anybody that's, you know, at the end of co-sleeping and had a problem like me, like four years, we tried everything. And finally, um, we went on to Google and looked up the super nanny tricks. And it was one of, I don't remember what article it was, but it was like the super nanny bedtime routine. And it took five days and we got him out of our bed. (laughs) Well, that wasn't so bad then. It was, but that was like, three, two, three years of trying everything else. Like we even put his bed beside our bed in the bedroom so that he was in the room with us. That didn't work because he would just wake up and crawl into our bed. Um, no, it was finally, we finally found something. And, and what so, was okay. that trick? Um, when they get out of bed, you walk them back to bed, put the, like tuck them back in and say, it's bedtime. And you, that's all you say. And then the second time they walk out, you just silently put them back in their bed, tuck them in, walk out. And then every time they do it, you don't say anything. You just put them back in bed and walk out. You put the, you know, do your bedtime routine, say goodnight, tuck them in. The first time they get out, you put them in bed and say, it's bedtime. And then every, every other time after that, it's, it's silent. And it, it took five days. So it really wasn't that bad. We put him back in his bed the first night, probably 13 times. Um, Second night was a little less, third night was less. And then finally he just, he's like, okay, this isn't going to work. Not going to get extra cuddles. I'm not going to, you know, like there's no conversation. So what were, um, if you had to tell people what the pros and cons were to to co-sleep versus not co-sleep, what would you, what would you say? So pros, um, I feel that you you do bond different and it is a bit of a stronger bond. Um, and of course you get some sleep and, and baby gets some sleep. Uh, some of the cons could be some, like they, they do kind of become codependent where they need you to sleep. Um, so they, they take a little bit longer to kind of figure that out on their own. And, and also, I mean, if you're with your significant other, in bed. Um, of course, co-sleeping is going to be a challenge as well. Um, so it could put a strain on your relationship. Um, but if you're both in the same, you know, you're both on board with it, then um, there, there's not really any like strong cons that I came across. Um, there was there was more pros, um, mainly because I was rested and, and awake during the day. <laughs> Which is a lovely, wonderful thing when you're a new mom. If you and you know what? That's, that's such a big pro that even if it's one pro and six cons, that pro outweighs all the cons. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. Uh, we didn't co-sleep, but I almost, because I got so little sleep, I almost wonder, look back and wonder, huh, if I had, would it not have been better? I almost would have rather take the risk of 
you know, having a kid that didn't, that slept in my bed or that I had to fight to get back into their bed, um, and have gotten that sleep back then. But, you know, hindsight's 2020 anyways, and now it's done. Right. So now my kids, it's such a a short time. Like it's like, really, once it's done, you kind of forget about all of that. Like it's such a short time in, in a, in, in raising children. Right. Yeah, it's true. And so is there anything that you would want as an experienced parent that you would want other moms or other parents to know um, about babies and sleep? Um, I mean, that's, that's a tough one because they're so different. It do what, do what works. I mean, if you have to, like, if you're nursing and you have to half sleep while laying down and nursing them all night long, I mean, if that works for you to, to help you, you know, get through that short stage in, in raising a child, then do it. Our final guest is Janice McCullough, an occupational therapist and sleep specialist with Rest is Best here in Edmonton. She specializes in child sleep and is also the mom of two with a wealth of knowledge to share. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Janice. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. What do you define as co-sleeping? So co-sleeping is sharing a shared space with your baby. So often when we speak about co-sleeping, we think about sharing a mattress through the night, but co-sleeping can also mean sharing a bedroom. So it's really important when we do speak about co-sleeping that we, we know the terms. If we're speaking about uh, bed sharing, I would use the term bed sharing versus co-sleeping, which would be the child in the same room as the parent, uh, but not on the same surface. Okay. That's really good to know because I think most of us end up defining co-sleeping as sleeping in the same uh, mattress. And I think a lot of our parents and even the ones that I spoke to definitely their thought was co-sleeping was sleeping on the, the same mattress. So yeah. when it comes to, um, I suppose we'll say co-sleeping in the bed sharing sense for any parents that might be unsure, is it better to, you know, to sleep with the baby or is it better to not? Um, you know, that's a difficult question, uh, because each family is so unique. Um, the current SIDS guidelines is that, um, you shouldn't share sleep surfaces with your baby for risk of SIDS or suffocation. Um, having said that there are a lot of benefits to co-sleeping and experts like James McKenna would, would say that there are more benefits to co-sleeping or bed sharing than there are to not. The way I approach it is what's going to work for your family and where you feel comfortable with the choice that you're making and works for both your child as well as yourself and whoever else is involved in that family dynamic. So then what are some of the pros of, uh, of, you know, say co-sleeping or bed sharing and what are some of the pros of not? If I were to sometimes suggest a co-sleeping situation or a bed sharing situation is when parents have a tendency to fall asleep with their baby on the couch or in the recliner. Um, and the benefit being there is when you plan a safe uh, bed sharing arrangement, you can plan for the risks that are involved with bed sharing versus, you know, I'm really tired. I'm a new mom. I was there. A new mom, you're exhausted. That's where the risk, there's a higher risk there of dropping, of suffocation, suffocation, things like that. So one of the biggest proponents for bed sharing is that parents will often report better sleep because they're able to respond without having to fully wake up or get out of bed and do that whole process. 
Bed sharing can also, or co-sleeping, even if it's on a separate surface, like a sidecar crib, can also have the purpose of helping babies regulate their physiological responses, such as their breathing or their cardiovascular systems, their body temperature. Infants have a hard time regulating their own temperature, um, as well as the, their arousal state. And so as parents, we often really want our babies to get a nice deep sleep, but it's that deep sleep that in early infancy, especially um, can be problematic because it's more difficult to ar arouse yourself from that sleep. Um, so for really young infants, for those small children, we don't want them going too deep in sleep. And so co-sleeping or bed sharing um, will help reduce the amount of deep sleep and in increase that the lighter stages of sleep so that they're able to arouse and that decreases some risk. The cons to co-sleeping, there's a lot from fi family dynamics, like finding in intimacy with your partner again. There's also fear and anxiety that it might cause the mom, right? Society, specifically Western society, tends not to support co-sleeping or bed sharing. And so that that causes some you know judgment on yourself or judgment about whether or not you should be doing it and some fear. Also the quality of sleep. So there's lots of moms that just can't get good sleep with a baby next to them. And so that can be a really big con. Um, and then there's also that fear of that transition outside out of cold sleeping, or if you have other people that are coming into bed. Um, so often when I work with mothers of multiple children who have, let's say a five-year-old that still jumps into bed with them, then co-sleeping would be, um, or bed sharing might not be the right option for them because it's not necessary. It's not safe to have that child next to the baby. Before six months, um, I would highly recommend that a parent at least room shares to help with that sensory proximity. And when I say sensory proximity, I mean the baby's ability to regulate off your, um, your system, regulate their breathing, their temperature, be able to hear and see you. It's great for attachment on both parts. It's great for mom to be able to smell baby as well in the room. And it's well, great for baby to be able to smell mom. Taking away the judgment and saying, let's do this safe. Whatever works, let's do it in a safe way. And so it's about the, the identifying and making an informed decision. And so why do you think there is so much judgment or this idea in, in our society that co-sleeping is a bad thing? So I could go back into a history of industrialization and about the women becoming uh, more needed to work. And so they, they need more sleep. I'll skip that. There's a lot of stuff there. However, now I think it's about a fear of creating dependency on our kids. Parents in general, and I'm, I'm going to use moms here, but have a lot of demands on their life now, right? You're now a working mom and you do this. And so you have this, everything you're juggling in the air. And so it's that worry that your child will always be dependent on you. And I think there's also... Because we have a lot of, you know, you shouldn't do this. We have a lot of rules as moms. Like I've never experienced so many rules in my life as before I, when I became a mom. And a lot of that has to do with a, we may not understand the pieces and there might be some pieces where, well, this is how I did it. So this is the right way. And the research, the research actually shows the opposite. Um, so when we increase the interdependence of our kids, so when we increase their dependence on us um, in their development, we actually see increased independence, right? And if we look at it from like a secure base where we're allowing them to explore the world and allowing them to learn new things, but you're always there as that secure base. And that secure base doesn't mean you have to co-sleep, but for kids who have difficulty sleeping and maybe that's because of attachment or some birth trauma or whatever, the, or health reasons, sometimes that allows that increased secure base for them so that they can go out and develop that independence. So I've got an interesting question for you that came from someone on my social media. 
someone mentioned having been a nanny and mentioned that there was a great deal of difficulty when, as a nanny, when kids, uh, you know, co-slept or, or bed shared, what can you do to mitigate that, to make that easier for the baby? Sleep doesn't have to be in the same location every time. Um, so younger babies, oftentimes, if they are having a hard time putting down motion naps are helpful. And so when I say motion naps, we could baby wear for those younger children and that can really help. And, and that's helps from an attachment perspective too, because we're also a new, as a nanny or as another caregiver, we are a new attachment figure, right? So it helps build that. It's also about looking at self-soothing and soothing from as, as a hierarchy, right? And so depending on why the co-sleeping is happening, um, we can have different expectations. Just like when my kids go to grandma's house, grandma has much different expectations than I do about pretty much everything, including sweets. So, right, children will learn that and babies are able to pick that up, right? Babies are smart. So having a routine is very important. So routines help create that rhythm of sleep. It sounds like it, it doesn't, but I have a lot of success making sure those sleep times are correct because with the correct sleep times, we have a higher drive to sleep and you're going to have more success when you try to change up routines or change up expectations. And then looking at that, like, again, looking at that soothing ladder and saying, okay, is it that this baby um, is struggling uh, to fall asleep or is it that they need that connection? So how do I provide that connection? If it's an older child, let's say three or four, you might really do like some one-to-one play before and have like lots and lots of connection right before the nap time. And then make sure that you also pair it with one-to-one time afterwards. Like that sleep time is the largest time of a child's separation from their caregiver. And it can cause a lot of anxiety. And so looking in that anxiety piece and saying, how can I address that? This anxiety of being away from me. Is it that I really like fill their bucket with lots of attention right before bed? Or is it that I say, Hey, it's nap time. I'm looking forward to playing Lego with you, or I'm looking forward to drawing with you after. And so you're bridging that gap to the next connection point. That's really good. So now one thing that uh, parents who do co-sleep or bed share um, often complain about is how hard it is to eventually get the, get their kids out of their beds or, you know, out of their rooms. What can you do if you're done with the co-sleeping and you're wanting to slowly transition and not have your kids in your room anymore? Okay. So I always, when I'm speaking with parents, I always talk about developmental uh, readiness. Um, And so for example, Um, I like to use this example between four and a half and six months is a really hard time to make sleep changes. So I would plan around those times. Um, And so there's different times throughout childhood that that could be. um, And you can do some reading on developmental, emotional developmental readiness. Other pieces is setting the stage. And so for if it's an older child, setting the stage with role plays. Right. So I've got this. So uh, if you have a, you know, your, your son really likes dinosaurs. Let's have, let's put these dinosaurs to bed and they're going to sleep in this other bedroom and have this whole role play around that. And then let them put you to bed and have some control because part of this is that lack of control, depending on the age of your child. So really having those prep stages help, um, having ownership of the new space, um, for older children, I'm, I'm thinking now, you know, maybe they pick out their pillowcase or maybe they pick out this or that so that they have some control over that. Another piece is acknowledging the child's fears and allowing that child to have time to express that outside of the sleep time. For example, if I had a, if I had a little girl and I'm like, okay, we're going to move to your own bed, right? I may read some stories about moving onto your own bed or being separated from mommy. I might then allow in this week or two weeks of transition discussions during the day of how I might feel or what's mommy doing when she's gone. 
right? Oh, mommy's going to go do the dishes, nothing too fun. And make sure that we like that she has that nice comfortable feeling. And then it could be gradual. So some kids, depending on temperament and temperament plays a huge role. Some kids will take to it and be like, yep, move into my own bed. I'm now a big kid. I have my own room for younger babies. They might not have that, but they might do the transition really smoothly. Um, Whereas other children might have a little bit um, more connection with that, like co-sleeping arrangement. And so you might have to do a little bit more of a gradual mommy will stay with you for half the night or, you know, when mommy comes to bed, but you're sleeping alone for the first part, or you can come into mommy's bed when you wake up and then gradually withdrawing that in a step-by-step fashion for younger babies. We could also look at um, starting naps in a separate location. Another piece when we're introducing a crib or introducing a new bed is sometimes that bed becomes that image of this is when I'm not with my mom or dad or parent and that alone. So the bed becomes this, the minute you bring your child to the room, it's like, nope, don't like it. Don't like this room. And so I always encourage parents to do like play time in the room. If, if the child's still in a crib to do some fun yet calm play in the crib. So it becomes not just that place where I'm left and I have to separate. So with like a nine month old, I would do peekaboo or um, those sort of things. So that it becomes more positive. Do you see an actual difference between kids who, uh, you know, co-sleep or bed share and kids who don't in terms of anxiety or in terms of uh, dependency? You know, I don't find there's really a difference. And I don't think the research actually shows consistently that there is a difference. It plays on so many different things, right? So all of those factors have temperament, it has parenting styles, it has experience, family dynamics, all right. So I'm not sure we can weed out just Like this is because your child's doing well because they co-slept or didn't co-sleep. And it really, I think, is a combination of a whole bunch of factors. And you need to make the decision based in the moment, what is right for me right now? And what do I, what can I do right now to support? And then um, if you're meeting needs in the moment, then you're going to set them up for success later on, right? So for any parent who's uh, about to have a child and uh, it's their first and they're kind of torn between whether or not they should or shouldn't, uh, you know, co-sleep, what advice would you give them? Educate yourself on both sides um, and give yourself the, the grace to change your mind because you may. And because we don't know some babies sleep well day one and they, they go and um, then others, they don't be prepared to, you know, make a, a safer co-sleeping or bed sharing situation. And I would look into the safe seven, safe sleep seven, and having these conversations with your partner. And so for any parents who are on the other side of it and, you know, their kids are much older and they're having a really hard time, uh, what advice would you have for them? So when they're older, I would, I would have a frank discussion. Um, I, I love family meetings. Um, in a non-confrontational ways and talk about why it would, why it's important that they stay out of their, out of your room. So is it because you're not sleeping well? Is it because they don't sleep well? Is in having that frank discussion and saying, okay, so we're going to help get there. And with older kids, it always works better when they're involved in the process and being patient with it. Because if it's been seven years of bed sharing, for example, realize that there's going to be big emotions. I've been doing something for seven years. It's okay for me to have big emotions. Now, how do I address these big emotions? How do I work through that? And that's where, you know, if, if we're able to address that, those big emotions and help them work through it, that's where the success, the success is going to happen. I think people have a, an opinion that 
um, one way or the other, you're going to get better sleep. I've worked with people who co-sleep or uh, room share um, and their babies won't sleep that way. And it has nothing to do with them as a parent, it has nothing to do with because they're doing it wrong. Um, sometimes babies have different sensory needs. Sometimes they have different preferences, right? And vice versa for a uh, crib, right? So some parents say like, I won't be able to get like the attachment. I've heard parents say that, like, I want to co-sleep, but I'm, you know, I'm anxious, but I'm worried about not getting attachment. You can still attach to your child without co-sleeping. Um, so it's, I think just generally my message is that if you look at it and say, okay, what are my goals from this? And if my goal, if my focus is, you know, to maintain my attachment and to get good sleep, how do I do that? And that might be either. And there's, there's no right or wrong there. If there's one thing that I've learned in my years as a mom is that being a parent is one of the hardest jobs you'll ever do. It is 24 hours a day with no days off and you can't do a good job with no sleep. How you choose to get that sleep is entirely up to you. I chose not to co-sleep, in part because of my husband's fear of rolling over onto our child in the middle of the night, and in part due to the pressure put on us by those around us not to. Some days I look back and I wish that I had, so that possibly we would have all slept. I have never seen any difference in my own child from those who we know co-slept that I can pinpoint as a clear reflection of the choice I made on sleep. All of our moms share the same notion that I do. These choices are very individual and carry a lot of factors that depend on each family's dynamics. And although there may be some science to show that one may have its benefits over the other, if the sleep arrangement won't work for you, there won't be any benefits at all. Look into the medical guidelines suggested in your area, speak to your pediatricians, and feel free to ask advice of those who you value. Then sit and consider what is best for your family. Follow your instincts and decide. But always be ready to pivot because kids, it seems, are forever throwing us curveballs. Most importantly, no judgment, mamas. We may not always parent the same or make the same choices, but that doesn't mean that we can't cheer each other on in our own individual parenting journeys. I want to thank all three of our wonderful guests for opening up about their experiences and, as always, for sharing their knowledge with us.